Welcome to the Nourished with PCOS podcast. I'm your host, Sam Abbott, registered dietitian nutritionist and PCOS nutrition expert. I'm here to help you learn how to manage PCOS and support your hormones while also having a healthy relationship with food in your body. You can improve PCOS symptoms and labs without dieting. Get ready to feel better with PCOS and leave diet culture in the rearview mirror. Welcome to another episode of the Nourish with PCOS podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We are chatting all about PCOS and yoga in today's episode. Maybe you've heard that yoga can be beneficial for PCOS, but you're not quite sure how to start a practice. I think for some people, yoga can feel a little intimidating. Um, So I am bringing in a yoga expert. Kendra Tolbert is an award-winning registered dietitian and a yoga teacher, and she specializes in reproductive health and fertility. She is not only an amazing yoga instructor, but she's also super knowledgeable about hormones and PCOS. She's actually come into my group coaching uh, group before to teach yoga and Everyone really loved her. Um, In this episode, we talk about how yoga can be beneficial for PCOS, some misconceptions about yoga, and then some tips for starting a yoga practice, especially if you're somebody who has felt a little intimidated by it. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Kendra. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited too. And for everybody listening, Kendra has come into one of my groups before and everybody loved her and she's such a great resource. So I'm excited to chat about all things yoga, reproductive health, preventative health. I know it's going to be a great conversation. So for everybody listening, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah. So... I am a registered dietitian. This will actually be my 12th year as a dietitian. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, And I'm also a registered yoga teacher. This will be my sixth year as a registered yoga teacher, but I started practicing yoga well (laughs) before six years ago. And I'm also certified in aromatherapy, which is something I don't talk about a ton, but aromas matter to me. We were talking about (laughs) the Febreze smell and what it's done to my lungs. But anyway, (laughs) that's a whole different topic. I live in St. Louis. I work remotely. So I see people all around the country, even though I'm based here in the Midwest. And this is still a very new city for me from California, moved to the East Coast, then to Texas. And now I'm in the Midwest. So been all over. Yeah. How long have you lived in the Midwest? Let's see. It's been a little over two years. We moved here for my husband's PhD program. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I have some family that lives there. And I think the last time that we, I don't think you were living there the last time that we kind of worked together in my program. I don't think so. I think I was probably still in Austin at that point. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that you were. That's awesome. We'll have to chat about that after <laughs> um, afterwards because I want to hear more about that. But I'm excited to hear a little bit more about your journey in the space where you're working. So can you tell everyone a little bit about how you became interested in yoga and reproductive health? Yeah. So the reproductive health piece honestly started when I was like 
12. So I've been obsessed. I know, right? A little early. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) I've been obsessed with like pregnancy and birth since I was in middle school. I would actually watch labor and delivery TV shows while I ate like my afternoon snack. And so I thought I'd become a midwife and then realized like Mm. I can watch blood on TV, but I hate it in person, which is why I only worked in acute care as a dietitian for a very short amount of time. (laughs) Because you could smell like blood and guts and everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So after the acute care experience, I worked as a dietitian for WIC. And for anyone who's listening and they're not familiar with WIC, it stands for Women, Infants, and Children. And it's a federally funded food assistance program that provides nutrition, counseling, and education, referral services, breastfeeding support, and actual like food benefits to help people purchase food um, for women who are pregnant, postpartum, or breastfeeding, and infants and children up to the age of five. And so I was working there, and a woman came in, and she was putting her son onto the program, and she shared that she had had difficulty conceiving. And I was like, oh, never considered that because Mm -hmm. up until this point, it felt like the message I was receiving was like, don't get pregnant. So the implication or what I took away from that, what I inferred from that was like, it's super easy to get pregnant and everyone's doing it. You have to guard against it. Right, right. So I decided I wanted to know more about whether or not nutrition could support people who were having trouble conceiving. And so that was how I started looking into nutrition for conception and infertility. And I started to blog about it. People started to come to me for one-on-one assistance. And that was how I ended up in that world. And a lot of those people had PCOS. So that was how I then moved into the world of PCOS. The yoga piece, I was introduced to yoga in high school, continued to practice it into adulthood. But when I started to see people who had PCOS or were having difficulty conceiving, I thought I need something to help people have a good experience with their bodies because what I'm hearing is that people feel like their bodies are failing them or their bodies have betrayed them. And I was like, I want people to feel good because we only get one body and only one chance to Mm -hmm. experience them. And so I wanted to offer something that allowed people to have these positive experiences in their body. And I thought yoga could do that. So I took yoga teacher training. I took I think it's been like three fertility-focused yoga teacher trainings at this point, a continuing ed course in um, women's health and yoga. And so I started to share it and people seem to like it and find benefit in it. So that's how I ended up in the kind of combining yoga and reproductive health and preventive health. I really love how you said like part of what drew you to this is like wanting people to feel better in their bodies or more connected to their bodies, because that's definitely something that we hear a lot in the PCOS space is just feeling unsafe, disconnected from your body or feeling like your body has betrayed you. So I think that's also a really important benefit to point out about yoga, because I feel like the yoga culture, like in general, I'm in Charlotte, so I feel like there's a huge yoga culture where people are trying to use it as like this more intense workout or like a workout that's focused on aesthetics. And I've had other yoga teachers tell me who work in the non-diet space that like, that's really not the original intention of it, of the practice. 
Definitely not. That's not at all where it stemmed from. I'm always a little surprised when I see things like yoga for weight loss. And I'm like, ooh, have we actually taken a look at what this practice started out as and what it can be, right? There's not supposed to be this overemphasis on the physical form. It's a respect for the physical form. Um, and I think of it as really an opportunity to care for this body that we get to live life through mm-hmm. and in, but it's not about manipulating it to look a certain way or even move a certain way. Yeah, definitely. I have a therapist friend who is a yoga teacher and she does sometimes will pop in and do brewery yoga. I don't know if you all have that where you are, but it's like a brewery will host a yoga class and then everybody gets a free drink. But she was telling me she really didn't enjoy it because the feedback she was getting was like, the class isn't hard enough. I'm not sweating enough, like that type of thing. And she's like, that's really not, that's not what should like draw you to yoga. Do you have a favorite type of yoga? Oh, I love this question. It depends on the day, but in general, I love yin yoga. And yin yoga is heavily influenced by traditional Chinese medicine. So it brings in this idea of the organ systems and meridians and the movement of free-flowing energy as a way of supporting health. But I think what I love the most about it, besides the fact that it has this beautiful base and this ancient approach to health, is that it's introspective and slow and often quite quiet. I don't love yoga classes where the teacher is like constantly barking out cues, like Mm. I have enough (laughs) noise in my life outside of yoga. So a practice where someone will quickly get me into a pose and then they're just like quiet for a few minutes and I get to just chill out in a pose is like ah, the most perfect class. So I love, love, love yin yoga. Yeah, I love yin yoga too. And I have long COVID and I feel like yin yoga is very therapeutic. Like it, it actually makes me feel really good afterwards. Whereas I feel like a lot of different body movement it's more just kind of like tolerable. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, can you share a little bit about how yoga can be beneficial to PCOS and fertility? And we do have a lot of people listening who may not be trying to conceive, but as we know, when we think about the reproductive system that is related to the metabolic system, it's not like the reproductive system, you know, exists independently. So I kind of think of, you know, your period is like another vital sign. And I hope the listeners can see or start to understand that everything is kind of connected. Yeah. Oh, that's such an important point. Um, I won't leave her there yeah. for too long, but um, <laughs> But there are definitely tons of benefits, whether or not someone is trying to conceive. And when it comes to PCOS, we actually do have some like modern Western scientific research that has looked at how it can be beneficial for people who are, um, or people who have been diagnosed with PCOS. So we have one intervention that was done with a group of adolescent girls and they practice yoga every day for 12 weeks for an hour a day, which is not (laughs) what most of us have time for, but that's what they did. (laughs) And they saw improvements in menstrual cycle regularity, anxiety, um, reported levels of hercetism, their actual testosterone levels. So 
those were improvements that they saw. And then there was another intervention that was done in adult women. And this was also a 12-week study, but they only practiced three times a week for an hour a day, which is closer, I think, to what most right. of us <laughs> may have time for. Um, and they also saw very similar improvements and improvements in, I believe, also um, insulin resistance as well as inflammation, I think, from that study. So again, whether or not you're trying to conceive, those are things that most people who have PCOS would be happy to see improvements in. And what I loved is that there were improvements in mood, so anxiety and depression, because I feel like sometimes we're so focused on the physical symptoms that we forget to care about someone's quality of life. And I think that's the biggest thing that yoga has to offer, because I don't always know if someone's symptoms are going to improve. I can't promise someone that they'll get pregnant because they practice yoga, but I can give them a tool to weather the storm, right? To like get through a difficult time in life. And I think that's the beauty of it. Yes, it may improve your symptoms. Yes, it may improve, you know, the likelihood that you'll conceive. But at the very least, you have something to turn to to help yourself feel better while you go through something difficult. And I think that's probably the most important thing to me, though it may not be the most important thing to the people who choose to practice it. Mm -hmm. I think that's such an important point because I know you see it in the PCOS space. I certainly do this morality attached to physical symptoms of PCOS that it can be so deflating or disheartening when you're trying to do things and your symptoms don't improve. And I think the focus on physical symptoms really takes away the focus of somebody's overall well-being. And kind of like you just said, quality of life is so important. And I wish that PCOS care focused on that more. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Would you have any tips for people who want to get started with yoga? Because I hear this a lot from my clients of like, oh, that sounds great, but I I tried one class. I didn't really think it worked for me or I kind of... The the practice of yoga can feel a little intimidating for people who have never done it. Yeah. Let's see. I think give yourself permission to not have a good experience then, right? Because (laughs) you may not have the like, I feel like I'm floating on a cloud now. There have definitely been practices that I left completely agitated and irritated after. And that was just information, right? That's like, oh, I don't really love doing more strenuous forms. I definitely don't like a heated class. Like, don't sign me up for that. I hate it. (laughs) I want to feel very chill after I do something. And so it's okay to have an experience that didn't align with your expectation of the benefits that you would have. So maybe you try a different class, maybe you try a different style. And so explore different styles and different teachers because everyone teaches differently to get clear on what you maybe didn't like so much. Was it that the instructor talked a lot and you didn't love that? Did the instructor make comments about bodies that you didn't really find all that beneficial? Was it that it was an open level class and you're very new and maybe like a six week intro series would have been a good place to start because Mm. then the teacher is walking you through things systematically. Like it's okay to have a bad experience and it's okay to try 
a different type and a different instructor because you may have a very different experience. And then the other piece is that we live in a world where you can try things for free online. So (laughs) try out different classes online, right? YouTube has tons of classes and different styles. And the beautiful thing is, is that like, if you don't like it, you don't have to force yourself to continue. No one knows if you walked out of class, you Mm -hmm. can just pause or (laughs) stop it and find something else and come back to it another day. So give yourself permission to have whatever experience you have get clear on what it was you liked and didn't like, and then maybe try something else. Those are some great tips. And yeah, let's use the internet to our advantage for all of the great resources out there, especially when you're trying something new. Absolutely. I find for me, the instructor can be a big determining factor as to how how I experience the class. Yeah, you're not alone. Well, are there any misconceptions about yoga in the PCOS space or the fertility space that you want to clear up? I would love to see less of a this for that sort of mentality, right? I definitely have had people reach out who are like, I've been trying to conceive for six months. This is what's going on with my fallopian tube. What poses do I do to fix it? And I'm like, ah, (laughs) I don't personally approach yoga for anything that way, that there are specific poses that are like a magic pill that's going to fix a certain thing. Um, And it's not a cure-all, even if you practice all of the different poses and all of the different forms and all of the different limbs of yoga. It's not a cure-all if it isn't addressing what needs to be addressed. So I'll also have people who, you know, will say, I've been trying for however long, can you tell me what poses will like make me get pregnant fast? And fast is one of the things that I think we also need to work on this idea that we have control over the timeline of healing or transformation or anything like that. Um, But I don't know enough about what else is going on in your life. If you're someone who's over-exercising, under-eating, not sleeping, and you're stressed all the time, I can't tell you like this yoga pose will fix that because you still need to eat more. You still need to exercise less. We yeah. still need to deal with the sleep piece. And I also don't know a lot of the people who come to me are women. Um, like, I don't know what's going on with your male partner's health. And oftentimes it feels like there's so much pressure put on in the fertility space, like on the woman improving everything about her and then no attention is given to the male partner. Um, If the issue is semen quality, like you can do as much yoga as you want. What is being done to address the semen quality issue? So the this for that idea is something that I would like to see kind of just thrown out the window. It's like, we need to know what we're addressing to know how to address it. And yoga may not be the best fix or the best thing to address what needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such an important point. Even though I understand how people can end up in that space, Mm -hmm. especially when you're talking about fertility, it's such a vulnerable topic. And, you know, when you feel so out of control with something, it's natural, I think, to turn to something to feel like you can control it. So, We definitely have a lot of sympathy for being in that space, but you brought up some really important points about that. This is what I like to ask anybody that I'm chatting with who 
provides any sort of service related to body movement. Because what I hear a lot from my clients and people on Instagram is like, I want to be doing X, Y, and Z, but I just can't bring myself to do it or I have trouble falling through. So what advice would you have for somebody who wants to increase body movement, but they really can't get past taking that first step or they can't develop any sort of consistency? Curiosity and compassion come to mind. Um, Those are two important principles for mindfulness. And so I think applying curiosity and compassion to not just your whys, like why you want to do it, but also to your why nots. Because I feel like there's this idea that moving is good. So if we want to do it, then we're thinking that we're doing something good, right? Like there's a lot of momentum behind get moving, but the why nots are treated as if they're inherently bad and they're, they're not bad, they're information. And so can we bring curiosity and compassion to why you don't want to do those things instead of kind of either judging yourself for it or steamrolling over your reasons, like get to know your why nots. And maybe there are things that you can address around the why nots, but at the very least, hopefully bringing curiosity and compassion to the things that make you not want to participate in different forms of movement. Hopefully just it allows you to at least just be with like the very human experience of ambivalence, right? (laughs) We often want things and don't want things and it's normal. So that's really all I have is like, get curious about why you don't want to do it and be compassionate with yourself for not wanting to do it instead of judging yourself for not wanting to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's so important to work on understanding yourself better because I think so much in the PCOS space, people are encouraged to kind of not listen to their body or they're told they can't listen to their body or trust their body. And so, so many people are looking outwards for like, just tell me what to do. Just tell me how to fix things. And so often we can find some answers within ourselves. And like you said, that curiosity instead of judgment, like truly just using that for information in a neutral way. I love the way that you sum that up. How can people find you and connect with you, Kendra? So you can head to my website, which is livefertile.com, L-I-V-E-F-E-R-T-I-L-E.com. And For the most part, if you want to find me on social media, the best place to find me is YouTube. So if you go to YouTube forward slash live fertile, or you just search live fertile in the YouTube um, search box, you'll find me. And I will put all of that in the show notes as well. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Kendra. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Nourished with PCOS podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe so you can catch new episodes. I'd also be so grateful if you left a review and rating for the pod as well. See you next Wednesday.